Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Improvement will lead to success, will lead to championships. What a ridiculous answer. That's Butch Jones-esque at Tennessee. Improvement will lead to success, will lead to championships. This guy's on the hot seat. That was the kind of response that uh, is not Harbaugh-esque. And I think Jim Harbaugh is starting to feel a little bit of pressure at Michigan. And that opening game uh, of their season, they're on the road at Notre Dame. That game is massive for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Because if they lose that opener to Notre Dame, coming off the way they lost to South Carolina in the bowl game, coming off the way they finished this season, this past season in the Big Ten, they're looking at another 8-4 and four type season. This year's schedule is going to be a lot more difficult. And Jim Harbaugh, if he goes 8-4 and four in year four, the bloom is officially off the Michigan Rose if that happens. You're not contending for Rose Bowl championships then. You're hoping to finish in the top three or four in the Big Ten East. That's a big difference. Most overhyped and overrated coach in the history of college football so far. Feet starting to be held to the fire here. Improvement will lead to success, will lead to championships. Look out. Notre Dame week one. Harbaugh's in trouble. We bring in Alex Marvez at Alex Marvez on Twitter, Sirius XM. Joins us every single Tuesday in hour two. And since we're playing the Hard Knocks music as we come in, Alex, uh, I'll ask you about this. What do you see for the Browns at the quarterback position? If I gave you right now over under four for Baker Mayfield starts in year one, are you going under? Do you think this is Tyrod Taylor's teams for the entire season? What's the story in Cleveland? I am going under, believe it or not. And I think you saw with, with Dorsey, John Dorsey, the general manager, 
of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs formerly. I think his plan would have been uh, with, you know, if he were still in power in Kansas City at the time, uh, you know, after he drafted Patrick Mahomes, but the plan was for Mahomes to sit a year. It's just going to take that long for him, they felt, to make the transition, and I think they feel the same way about Baker Mayfield. Tyrod Taylor, he's, he's a smart quarterback. He does not make a lot of mistakes, does not commit a lot of turnovers, and that'll keep you in the starting lineup. The problem is, though, Clay, not a lot of dynamic plays from him as well. Listen, we got to see how the supporting cast is going to be around whatever quarterback it is now with this Josh Gordon situation. And, and you know, really cryptic yesterday to hear. It, it appears from reading between the lines with Josh Gordon that, you know, he may be having some real personal struggles in his life staying sober. And, you know, this is, a, listen, for some folks, this is a serious thing. And, and I'm talking about real life, not talking about football, et cetera, your fantasy team, whatever whatever it is. But you're talking about someone's actual life here and trying to keep things together. And, and you know, they're saying that he's in a good place. He's getting, you know, part of his treatment program is that, you know, he'll be there for the start of the regular season. Well, the Browns, you know, they've heard this song and dance before from Josh Gordon. And, you know, they've been, because he's so talented, they've been putting up with this for years and years and years. But, you know, again, this is all on Josh, and I'm sure a lot of pressure on him to try to get things together for the start of training camp. But if he's not out there, Clay, this is a lesser Browns team because this guy, when he is sober and he is on the football field, changes the complexity of an offense. Do we know what his banned substance was? I know that weed has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, is that all that he was testing positive for? You followed this case more closely yeah. than I did. I kind of almost entirely connect this with weed. Is that the truth? Uh, alcohol as well. And, okay. you know, that's, those are the big ones that, that we know about. And it was, you know, again, just it, it, it was a continuing violations. I mean, you, get, you know, look, the NFL, they don't want to suspend players for one failed drug test. You know, and in fact, as you know, the testing a little bit loose, uh, you know, as far as it goes in the off season, that's not what they're looking to do is to keep guys off the field. But when they show up, you know, to their place of employment, they are expecting them to be sober. And that's what NFL owners expect as well. It's like when you hear, oh, we'll eliminate all the drug testing in the NFL. You know, why should they? You know, cannabis is legal everywhere. Well, you just you run the risk of players then who, who have no drug testing, you know, really pushing the limits there and, and, you know, potentially showing up impaired to an NFL practice. I mean, shoot, it happens now. Sometimes with some players, when you hear some of those old stories about Alden Smith coming, going straight from a night out, you know, onto the practice field. So, yeah, I mean, that's where we're at with Josh Gordon. I don't, I'm hoping it is not anything more serious than that. But again, the guy's had a problem. We hope he deals with it and comes back on the football field. Um, Speaking of a guy we want back on the football field, Andrew Luck. And I feel like I should continue to ask you this question because <laughs> I I just I feel as if because of it's Indianapolis that the Andrew Luck story has not gotten as much attention as it would if he was in New York or LA or or somewhere else where the media is constantly like asking the question, will Andrew Luck be like what is the latest you have heard about Andrew Luck? Wait, is there any New York media left? Are they yeah, still well, uh, that's its own story, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what do you think? What, what's the latest you hear about Andrew Luck? And listen, honestly, so far, so good with him. The only thing they're going to give him is a couple veteran days off during training camp. And I think, you know, even though he, at a young age like him, he shouldn't really be getting veteran days off to, to rest his arm. That's what the direction we're going with the Indianapolis Colts. And, look, I, I mean, I'm going to take Chris Ballard, a guy who I, I know a bit and who has always been straight up and honest with me, even in tough situations, uh, you know, like the Josh McDaniel stuff, et cetera. I mean, the guy to me has been a straight shooter, and he is saying that Andrew Luck will be out there 
and good to go. Interesting note uh, in the Indianapolis Star that he started taking painkilling injections as far back as 2015 to work through this. And listen, if it were a different media market, I think that there'd be a ton of people that are getting skewered right now more than they are. Because why did it get to this point? And, you know, we could say, oh, well, Andrew Luck took skipped steps in his rehab, but why are the Colts putting him out on the field after that? Why is Jim Irsay trying to sell fans last year on the idea that Andrew Luck is going to be ready for week one, and he isn't? Why is Chuck Pagano trying to sell people on this? I know he's a football coach, so it's sometimes it's your, you know, part of your duties, I guess, to mislead or, you know, just, you know, feign optimism, say that the glass is half full when it's really barely, barely, you know, barely there, uh, you know, the liquid in it. So you get my point, Clay. I'm mixing up all my metaphors. <laughs> this morning but the point is the point is that listen you you know it's hard to trust like you're saying it's hard to trust this organization based upon how they've handled Andrew Luck how they've handled the rehab but it does appear now that they've got it right I've talked to their strength and conditioning coach guy old school guy named Rusty Jones okay and, and he's one of the deans of the NFL strength world and he said that one of the keys for this organization has been the meshing of the strength program and the medical staff and how these guys are now all working hand in hand to make sure that these rehab things go a little bit better you know before you know it Rusty was saying that, you know, Colts players were categorically out of shape when they came to camp last year. And, you know, they, they were looking at the, at the body, you know, body fat measurements and things like this and, and weights. And, you know, they were, they were not a great conditioned team. Well, that is going to change under Frank Reich that's supposed to and under this new strength and conditioning program. And one of those things is surgery rehab. That's what they're looking at with Andrew Luck. Make sure everything is perfect. But, I, Clay, I'm with you. I think it would be a bigger story. I also think that there would be a lot harsher criticism of the Indianapolis Colts maybe in a different market. But he's back week one. Back week one. I don't think there's any question. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's back week one of the preseason. I know he's going to be, I, I, am, I am really confident he'll be back for week one of the regular season. Okay, uh, let's talk about other these other young quarterbacks, and I want to get your read as they enter training camp on the likelihood that they will start. Sam Darnold. I think Lamar Jackson, let's take him off the table because unless Joe Flacco gets hurt, I think it's unlikely that we'll see him, although we might see him in special packages. I get that. Slot wide uh, receiver, but, baby. Slot yeah, wide, wide receiver. Oh, by the way, all of a sudden, Bill Polian's an idiot, right? Remember that? Do you think Whenever he's actually going to play at slot wide receiver some this he's year? Pra- he's, he's, pra- he's practicing a slot wide receiver right now along with a couple got, other so spots. You're exactly right. Everybody's like, oh, it's so racist to Bill Polian to want to see him at, get some reps at slot wide receiver. But this but guy was really amazing? difficult. Yes. It was terrible. And, you know, the funny part is, like, Bill Polian, who, by the way, won a Super Bowl with an African-American head coach. And who did he replace an African-American head coach with? Another African-American head coach and Jim Caldwell and reached another Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, and Bill Polian's racist. Okay. Well, I don't, even, okay. I don't even worry about that. I mean, I think about Eric Crouch, they made him switch to defensive back, right? Right. Uh, Matt Jones, they made him swick, uh, switch to wide receiver. Um, you know, Tim Tebow, a lot of teams wanted him to be H-back or a tight end. Uh, Terrell Pryor, they switched from quarterback to uh, to a wide receiver. Braxton Miller, quarterback to wide receiver. There are a lot of guys out there that as they have made the move, even guys who have excelled at the quarterback position in, col- in college, uh, was it uh, Julian Edelman from, yeah. uh, from starting <laughs> a, uh, you know, quarterback to wide receiver? To me, if you can make money as a pro athlete, and somebody gives you a route that they think you could make money as a pro athlete to do, you do it. And I don't understand how race ever became an issue in this decision. Well, because we live in a certain society now that might be really sensitive or, aha, I got you. You know what I mean? And it's maybe so, just so like many people Polian. on social media now make a living by saying, 
oh, what if we switch the race? It's like it's the stupidest argument you could possibly make because 99.9% of the time I can just run off a huge list of people and be like, everybody gets treated the same in the NFL regardless of what your background is. Do you help a team win or not? Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I just I, I hate when stories like that happen. But uh, but he's actually looking good, potentially a slot wide receiver. Yeah, and the funny part is, and I've talked to Lamar about this, that, you know, the reason he didn't run the 40-yard dash before – you know, the, uh, before the draft was he didn't want teams to know how fast he was officially because he was afraid that a team was going to select him and, and, and like as a wide receiver, like envisioning him as a wide receiver, not as a quarterback. As a quarterback, like he's not ready. I mean, you're talking about, you know, first read, tuck and run. You know, he just yep. has that penchant of doing that. So it, this is going to buy him time. You know, listen, he may play some, he may get some quarterback snaps, but the reality is they know that Joe Flacco gives him the best chance to win right now. And it also doesn't put Lamar Jackson in a position where he's going to get blown up because he's not the biggest of guys right now as he develops an NFL body. And if he's going to continue to run on a regular basis, I mean, you'll get in, he'll have to replace him with another guy who got blown up early on in Robert Griffin III, who's fighting for a roster spot there himself right now in Baltimore. So I see him on the field. But his packages, Darnold, we can go over these guys. Listen, it's all on Darnold. If he has a great preseason, there's no reason not to start him right away and go with this sort of thing. I mean, look, the reality is you're going to need better supporting cast in 2019. Rich Samini of ESPN already starting the Le'Veon Bell rumors as a potential target for the New York Jets come 2019 because of the cap space they'll have available. But I think it's all on Darnold, and it puts actually the Jets, I hate to say this, in a good spot. Uh, the fact that they have a little bit of depth at the position provided Teddy Bridgewater's body doesn't fall apart. Uh, you know, in the preseason, we still got to see if he could take a hit with that knee. You know, what happens in Buffalo now, Clay, a lot of us are curious as to within the next 24 hours, if Shady McCoy ends up on What's that the, commissioner's exempt yeah. What's the latest you've heard in that story? Because it's kind of died down um, in the last week to 10 days. Yeah, that's well, and that's what's so weird about this. See, the NFL and the teams know more than what gets out there sometimes. Of course, I mean, yes. So, so you know, the fact that we haven't seen Shady McCoy released by the Bills, we, we haven't really even seen a statement, to me indicates that there's nothing yet that has tied Shady McCoy uh, to what was a break-in at his ex-girlfriend's house, you know, the, the taking of some jewelry that allegedly he had been arguing with her about, and of course her getting assaulted by the assailants themselves. We have not seen a definitive tie yet to Shady McCoy. You know, you've got 10 days to work on this for law. You've had multiple days, you know, law enforcement working on this, and still nothing. Now, if the NFL is worried about this thing becoming a, a huge deal and charges being filed against Shady McCoy, they may very well say later today, hey, look, we're going to put you on this commissioner's exempt list until we have clarity about where you stand under this whole thing, and here's the reason why and the background, et cetera. But as of right now, according to media reports, Shady McCoy planning to show up in Orchard Park, or actually St. John's Fisher's College in Rochester, New York, for the start of training camp. The reason this is important for the QBs, Clay, it makes it a lot easier to play Josh Allen you know, early on, if you know if he's ready for it, if you've got Shady McCoy to hand off to, and he's someone who's going to command a lot of attention, put eight in the box, free things up in the passing game. If you got Chris Ivory as your running back, and eh, not so much, you're going to be it's going to be a lot tougher for you to move the football. Same sad thing for the Bills is. It's always a sad thing for the Bills, as you know, Clay. But the sad thing for the Bills this season, at least, is the fact that they look like they actually have a really good defense. I just don't know how they're going to get points on offense. Josh Rosen, is he going to start week one for the Cardinals? I think he's got a real legitimate shot. And I'll be, by the way, Cardinals camp. 
this coming weekend. So I'll have a, an actual report for you from Boots on the Ground coming up for you next week, Clay. And you know, he's I, he you know from all indications are they're in love with it. They they just think he love with him. They they believe that he's far further advanced than what even they expected, and they had some pretty high uh, you know to set the bar pretty high as far as his development and how quickly he'd be be able to compete for a spot. But yeah, I mean, listen, when Sam Bradford's in practice, this is the thing, Clay. Sam Bradford fools you. Because, listen, when he's healthy and he's in practice, the guy is a bona fide. He shows you why he was the number one overall pick in the draft. He's a good quarterback. The problem has been with Sam Bradford, never healthy. We know this narrative. So, listen, if you think that you can play Josh Rosen right away, it's a rebuilding season in Arizona, there's no question about it, then I think you're going to go in that direction. Good news for the Cardinals, by the way. David Johnson did show up knowing that they weren't going to be able to give him his contract extension right now, but David Johnson looking for a huge payday. He's the one that it'll be interesting if he sets the market for a running back if the Cardinals are going to spend a lot of money on him and if that serves as a template for Le'Veon Bell come 2019. Did you hear anything about, we're talking to Alex Marvez, you can listen to him on Sirius XM, did you hear anything about Jimmy G taking the porn star out from inside NFL circles and what reaction that might have gotten from ownership, GM, coaching? You know, it's, it's been radio silence, and I'll tell you why. Because I think the 49ers as a team, they love what Jimmy Garoppolo brings to them as a player. And I think as long as he's not getting arrested, they'll deal with everything else off the field. It's not a great look, but you know what? Society has changed, Clay. Things are very different. In this world now, you know, I, I mean, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. You know, what I thought used to be right is now wrong. What I thought was wrong is now right. So, and maybe in today's society, it's not that big a deal. You know, maybe for at least for Jimmy Garoppolo right now, who seems to walk on water. Now, the funny part is, if you had another player doing it, there might be a lot more of a pile on than what you have right now. So that's that's where we're at with the Jimmy G thing. Listen, it's a great is you know, and and who knows? Is this a budding romance as far as these two go? Could they maybe be being seen at Forty ers team events, et cetera? Well, it's oh a my different. God. Yeah, I know, imagine? I know, different type, different world. But listen, they're they're all in with Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, with that contract he signed, I mean, basically he can do whatever he wants as long as he doesn't get arrested or nullify the deal. So this is what it's this is what the Forty ers are are in for. And listen, we we don't know anything about these guys' personal lives, right? This one became. Very public, taking her out on a date, things like that. You know, sometimes you don't know. You know, you just see a snippet of them on TV. You don't know how they're living their lives. You don't know what they're into, what who they're associating with, et cetera. And none of this makes Jimmy Garoppolo a bad person or anything like that, by the way. You know, but I mean, again, there there are some optics here that are involved in it. And this will always, when we talk Jimmy Garoppolo, this subject will probably always come up now with Jimmy G. Hey, remember that time that he brought a porn star out to Beverly Hills on a date? I mean, that's going to be part of the Jimmy G story when it's, when it's finally all said and done. Quickly, uh, we got four quarterbacks, at least off the top of my head, who are in new places. Colt McCoy with the Broncos. We've got Kirk Cousins with the Vikings. We've got the question of what's going to happen in Kansas City with, uh, with Mahomes and the new guy there. And Alex Smith, I see him picking up uh, ch- uh, restaurant charges all over DuPont Circle in the <laughs> D.C. area. Of those four, who are you hearing the best things about? Uh, Case Keenum has done okay. You know, he's really uh, taken a leadership position. Uh, with did I say Colt Broncos. McCoy instead of Case Keenum? You, you did, but I know you're wishfully thinking. Those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those really guys are the McCoy. same person to me. Yeah, they, they are. Well, you know what? A lot of people think so, and they're wondering what are the Broncos doing just because you couldn't yeah, get right. You know, in the quarterback sweepstakes, and then at number five, you have a chance to draft two other quarterbacks. You're taking Bradley Chubb instead. So, listen, Alex Smith has been fantastic, but the guy that they're buzzing about in D.C. is Darius Geis. Second-round pick out of LSU. Real quick, Clay, I was told there was a smear job by a rival agent dropping a whole lot of stuff about Darius Geis and, and, you know, these bad things that were happening with Darius and, you know, scuttlebutt because they, that player, that agent represented another running back who he was hoping to get pushed up in the draft. Dirty pool. The Redskins are happy the guy lasted until round two. 
if they took him in round one, no one would have blinked an eye, to be quite honest with you. He is an awfully good running back. So that's going to help Alex Smith. Uh, we have uh, Patrick Mahomes, going to be some rough spots. He's throwing interceptions in practice, Clay. You never like to see that, but I think in time he will be that guy. Great supporting cast. I mean, you can't ask for anything more than what the Chiefs have given him at all their different spots. And who else are we missing? Uh, I think we hit them all. Who else? Did I, did I leave somebody out? Uh, we probably, I think new guy, new place, but I think we're, we're covered here. You're Alex running Smith. out of time. You're yeah, we're running out of time. We'll yeah. talk to you next week. Uh, <laughs> that's good, that's Alex. Uh, enjoy out at uh, the Cardinals camp. I'm interested to hear what Josh Rosen will look like. That was my guy who I said I would have taken number one overall. Bringing in Petros Papadakis. Petros, you hate everything. Did you like 1980s era television? Full House? Yeah. Full House is the worst. When you, what did you? That's what I'm saying. You hated everything, but what did you like when you were a young, not quite as cynical person growing up? Was there a television show? Oh that come was on, popular Saved by the watched? Bell, California Dreams, okay. 90210. You liked them all. Melrose Place, uh, Dawson's Creek. Okay. Come on, man! I'm a red-blooded I American. <laughs> I loved all those shows. I mean, if I wasn't just to... sitting around watching the Maltese Falcon and the Third Man all the time. <laughs> If you had to go back and watch one of those series that you go watched back. when you were young. Yeah, like if you had to watch like all the way from the start to the finish, what do you think the best ever was? 90210. 90210 was really good, wasn't it? Well, other than the fact that, that the obvious, uh, Brandon Walsh and Dylan McKay, Jason Priestley and Luke Perry respectively, and don't forget about Gabby who played uh, Andrea Zuckerman. Andrea was Zuckerman like was like, yeah, she was like 40 years old. She playing was a my age. How much creep, that, now that we're that age, because when you are a kid, you don't think it's that big of a deal that somebody who's like 38 might be playing a 16-year-old. Well, but people now look that, grown to you, yeah, you know, right. uh, no, other no, high school kids. I remember there was a kid in my high school with a mustache and a leather jacket, and I, I couldn't imagine seeing what that kid actually looked like now as opposed to what he looked like to me in my home ec class. Oh, I mean, he looked I, like he was a Mongol. I remember when we moved into our freshman year dorms in college, there was a guy there who was 18, 18 years old. His name was Dale. Dale was from uh, – uh, Dale Robinson was from uh, Minnesota. And uh, every parent thought he was one of the parents moving the kids in. I mean, the guy was 18, and he looked like he was – 38, you know, or well, you 40, could have a LeBron or, or Odin face. Yes. I mean, that's happened before. But to me, 90210 was a great microcosm of what was happening and how stupid everybody was in the 90s. And we're all still stupid, I guess, just how stupid everybody is all the time. But and it reminded me the color me bad thing that happened. Oh, I saw you tweet that out yesterday. So I had I I noted this down on my notepad here that I was going to make sure that I remember reminded you of this. Well, there so was the, a great episode of 90210 where the whole gang, David Silver, Donna Martin, Dylan McKay, Brenda and Brandon Walsh, Kelly Taylor, who am I missing? Donna Andrea Martin. Zuckerman. Donna Martin. Donna Martin graduates. Oh, yeah. Great, great show. That they great were episode. all chasing around the great uh, singing group from the New Jack City soundtrack, Color Me Bad, around the now defunct Bellage Hotel on Sunset. And the Bellage Hotel is also where Dylan McKay freaked out and threw a pot when uh, his dad cussed him out in front of Brenda when they first started dating. Oh, yeah. And the Bellage Hotel is also 
where Kelly Taylor wrapped her legs around Dylan McKay and rubbed up on him in the pool. (laughs) And he told her, it's you, Kelly. It's always been you. I mean, the Bellage Hotel is a big deal to 90210, and Color Me Bad cross-sections that. So, a couple of things here. One, let's talk while we're talking. While we're talking Beverly Hills 90210. Explosive Noxima Rebecca Gayhart, who I think would later star in, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the the great movie uh, Urban Legend as like the axe wielding crazy girl. When they have that explosion in the car, and Luke Perry is running out like to that's uh, at the they marina. Just, they just got married, right? They just got mm-hmm. married. Uh, Rebecca Gayhart, aka the Noxima girl, which will immediately like trigger everybody out there who remembers those Noxima commercials. Uh, that moment when Luke Perry drops to his knees and the car is exploding is one of the greatest moments in 1990s television, maybe one of the greatest moments in television of all time. It's very powerful. It is. Uh, secondly, on she the call me back. I saw her on my honeymoon. Oh, really? In Greece? Uh, in Italy. I was married in Greece. Okay. So you, you saw her just in Italy. What was your reaction when you saw her in Italy? There's that curly-haired Noxima chick. Did you I want to say hi or feel like you had a connection to her? No. I, I did go I down on both knees and scream like she just blew up in a convertible, though. <laughs> Which I'm sure has happened to her at every drunken party she has ever been to. Yes. Dylan McKay's dad changed actors from the first episode till uh, he was an FBI informant there when uh, it blew up uh, Luke Perry's wife. I didn't even remember, realize Two that. Two different it was like actors. A, it was like uh, I, I, you know, like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, where they just switched, uh, where they switched. Switched moms. Yeah, oh yeah, right. Like four years in, they just or five years in, they just suddenly had a new Aunt Viv, and then, uh, and then they had a line where I think Will Smith was like, "Man, Aunt Viv, you look a lot different." Uh, I, I would love to know all the drama surrounding how Aunt Viv got switched out, but, um, but on the other thing, you were talking about color me bad, and you tweeted about this yesterday because I guess there's a fight like that happened in the first. Of all, I didn't know color me bad was still together. You so guess. I'm, I, I, you guessed I, there was a fight. Well, you didn't I saw watch you the tweet. Video? No, I didn't watch the video. Was it a bad you gotta fight? Be kidding me? No, I just saw your tweet. Okay, color me bad. Who's saying I want to sex you up? Oh yeah, from the New Jack City. Soundtrack. Hold on, before before you, I got to tell you this because you're gonna love it. The very first concert I ever went to, seventh grade, Clay Travis, Nashville, Tennessee. There's an outdoor amphitheater here that has since closed called Starwood Amphitheater in like the most redneck part of town in Nashville, which for people out there who are listening, they're like, oh, that's a real redneck part of town. It's the redneck part of the redneck part of town, all right? Uh, They had this place called Starwood Amphitheater, and Paula Abdul back in the MC Scat Cat era, remember when she had the two steps forward, one step back, like the video where she danced with MC Scat? We come together because opposites attract, and you know. It ain't fiction, it's a natural fact. Yes. Uh, Paula Abdul, MC Scat Cat era, and the opening act was Color Me Bad. Oh, that's good. That's that's pretty clutch, right? I mean, that's so I didn't know they were still together. So tell me what happens when the in the fight. She makes the bed and he steals the covers. What a song. Oh, is one of the uh, most beautiful songs ever. Written. I bet she did Forever Your Girl as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I wasn't always this hardened hipster. My uh, my dad took me to that concert, and I remember thinking, like, so we took uh, my seven-year-old. Man. Yeah, that poor man. We took my seven-year-old to his first concert the other day. It was Imagine Dragons. You told me and about he, that. And he I, loved it. 
I'm regretful that I heard. But this was in New York, and I was at a casino. It looked like an eighth-grade dance, how many people were there. <laughs> All four members of Color Me Bad were still there, but Brian so, yeah, I adore Abrams, Mia I think, Moore is his name. For the- for, but I adore Mia Moore for the four billionth consecutive time. Yeah, they were doing I Want to Sex You Up. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think the guy's name is Brian with a Y, Abrams. Okay. The guy that used to be all swole, the lead singer, the swole guy. Yeah. Uh, I guess he, he had left the stage, and right at the end, like the other kind of good-looking white dude was was singing lead, and... At the very end, the guy was thanking the crowd and not looking, and the big fat dude who used to be swole just strolled out there and just knocked his ass over hard and then kind of waved to the crowd and walked off. It was amazing. Oh, I are, I mean, I can't believe that Color Me Bad is still touring. Like, what are the – I would love to see the finances well, the of Color Me Bad. Well, the offer these things. Right, I understand, but I mean, like, what do you think they paid Color Me Bad to perform at a New York, well, I don't even, what New York casino, like an upstate New York casino? It seemed that way. It seemed like a very depressing place. Yes. So, and, uh, I don't know, $3,000? I'm not a booker, why don't you get no, a booker I mean, on? I would just, I would love to see the finances of Color Me Bad, like, when, when, so they hit an apex. This may be the best thing that's happened to them since that 90210 episode. Well, what happened is, you know, all these boy bands got back together because all the girls who were like 10, 11, and 12 years old when they were at their apex, they're all rich now. So they can all, you know, they all have their own jobs. Yeah, they, they have can their go own. on the New Kids on the Block cruise. Yes. They can yes. go on the Backstreet Boys cruise. The 98 Degrees, like all this stuff. They've got tens of thousands of dollars, you know, compared to when they were little girls and, you know, they could get, you know, go buy the album for $13. Now they can buy tickets with their girlfriends for thirteen hundred dollars. And everybody's and an adult, and they can laugh yes. about the past. Yes, I get it. There's no equivalent for that for men. Yes, there it, is. Who? Like rock bands that have stayed popular. No, but I'm it's talking like about baseball trips. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Like you know, you, it's they like still you know, we're going to go to Camden yeah. Yards and we're going to go to Fenway. It's like okay, have a. Great I don't know <laughs> if they still do these. When I was a kid, they used to do. Like, you could go play baseball with your – do you remember seeing those advertised when you were a kid? Like, they would have fantasy camp basically for, like, 40- and 50-year-old guys. And you'd oh, like I to went go. to one of those. You did? Well, they made me. Do they still do those? Yeah. I went to one uh, with uh, Major League Baseball. It was huge. It was around the All-Star game. We met Hank Aaron. And, this is recent. Uh, Tony Womack was our coach. He hated me because I refused to field or run or do anything. But like you put, you had to put on a uniform and like I had to you put on a uniform and stand in a batter's box and try to take a walk, <laughs> which I did, and then I got a pinch runner. So you did this fantasy baseball thing, which is I don't know if they still do it in the same way, but they used to advertise it oh, all I the time. It. You could go play with the legends. I did it as like a commercial for it with with Matt and David Vassay. Uh, my radio partners at the time, uh, Matt Money Smith, who I work with every day. Yes. And uh, Matt used to play baseball in high school, so he went out there and ran around. But I think he might have pulled a hammy. You know, everybody just gets destroyed. I remember they used to to do this at USC and colleges where they let the old guys, they don't put on pads, 
but they tape them up and they run them down the tunnel and they run some plays out on the field with the head coach, and then they go have a big dinner and drink a bunch of beer afterwards. They still do this? Yeah, and half of well, I don't know if they still do it at USC, but it's still done somewhere. And, uh, I mean, my dad's restaurant's not even open anymore. But you'd get a bunch of 50-year-old men who show up, and like half of them did an MCL. <laughs> it's like 25 MCLs, 50 Right, because you haven't run. Most this is This is underrated, is that at some age, and it might be like 28, 29, you stop running full speed for anything. Unless your kid is like drowning in a pool, the number of full-on sprints that you would actually do would be almost zero, right? You don't and then suddenly fire you your get, legs. And then suddenly you get a lot of old dudes out, and you get them to try to run as hard as they can, and their bodies just fall apart, and they have no idea it's coming. No, I mean, that's, well, here's that's the problem. totally true. People can still be competitive, right? And they still have the muscle memory in their bones and stuff to fire their legs like they used to when they were athletic. But the muscles are not ready. Yes. And they rip off the bone like a chicken at Wingstop. Yeah, it's funny. I was playing, and this is the last like competitive thing I did, other than like playing in the backyard with my kids. I was playing in a law school basketball league. I mean, not law school, uh, like lawyer basketball league. You want to talk about a bunch of sad sacks. Oh, so, so it's all only lawyers. It sounds and, very competitive. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's lawyers. Most you guys lawyers should take do, on LeVar Ball's uh, league. Yeah, I, that would be actually pretty outstanding. So I remember I was standing, I was playing defense, and I was, I, I'm probably like 36 at this time. I'm 39 now, probably like 36. And there was a guy in front of me, and he was probably like 25, you know, like a young lawyer recently out of uh, out of law school. A young hotshot, like a young, young Matt shot. Damon in The Rainmaker. Like Matt Damon in The Rainmaker or Tom Cruise playing uh, softball at the beginning of A Few Good Men, you know, when he's Ooh. just out there crushing the ball all over the Military place. Military law. Military law. This kid, like, is not very fast, first of all, but he crosses me over and he goes towards the basket and... And as he crosses me over, I remember in my head thinking, I need to slide to the right, and my body didn't move. You know? And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be old. Like, I know what my body should be doing, and it's not like I'm playing high-level athletics, but for most of my life, I just would have slid over and adjusted my stance to where he was, and I thought, slide over, and then when I went to slide, I just didn't move. Now and I was like, okay. Now, as Tom Brady and Jerry Rice and yeah. you've been doing it for 10 years or whatever, and all of a sudden you see the hole or you see the opening or you, and you see just the can't throw get there. or the move you need to make and your body won't cooperate, that's a really frustrating part about growing old. What did you think about Tom Brady shirtless? You know, I mean, there's sometimes I see a picture of me with my shirt off and I'm, I'm proud and others where I'm not. And angles and lighting can do horrible things to a man of that age. And I don't, I mean, I'm just, ever since Tom Brady was singing at that U2 concert into his phone, yeah. songs like Vertigo <laughs> and uh, In the Name of Love, I'm, I'm totally checked out. He's, uh, a, he's a total, he's always been a dork. He was a dork when I met him when I was in college, but now he's just a huge tool and a dork. I saw him once and he had a wallet chain. You met Tom, I forgot a about that story. Chain. You met you met how old were you and how old was Tom Brady when you met him? I think we we're about the same age. 
His, and what was your impression when you met Tom Brady? Oh, back he was when you totally. Were like, he was a he was a backup at Michigan. He was best friends with the USC first baseman on the baseball team, a guy named Bill Peavy. They both went to Sarah High School in uh, Northern California, which is where Barry Bonds and Lynn Swan also went to high school. And uh, he was just kind of a concave chest Bay Area tool, a bat, as we would call him, with two T-shirts. The Bay Area guys used to wear two T-shirts. Oh, I remember the. I actually remember the two T-shirt era. Yeah, uh, two T-shirt. I forgot hella. about that. They still yeah. say hella. Like that's hella cool. <laughs> and he was just a, a dorky white guy, but he's a great player. There's no doubt about that. Maybe they found the greatest, a great situation too. Greatest uh, football player of all time. Um, uh, all right, last question for you because uh, we've covered. Uh, a, but a who lot wears of a wallet here. chain unless you're a biker? Or on a I boat. forgot about the whole wallet chain era, but I, yeah, I, I, that's right. I would always have kind of attributed it with with the biker era. So uh, the LeBron graffiti. Uh, oh God! Overplay. Well, it's Kobe LeBron. Freaks. I'm going to ask you about LeBron every Kobe week. Kobe freaks. How? What percentage of the Laker fan base is made up of Kobe freaks? Ten. Ten percent, you think? But it's like anything, you know. It's like Twitter. It's a crazy vocal minority. Where they just you know, think Kobe is Jesus. You know, a guy with a poster Jesus. of Gail Goodrich in his house does not go out and spray paint murals yeah. or deface things. So Kobe do you fans think, do. Do you think Kobe this Kobe... Kobe fans like Kobe more than they like the Lakers. They like Kobe more than they like basketball. They like Kobe more than anything. They're delusional. Can this get ugly if LeBron... Like, do you think this will continue into the season if the Lakers don't have some immediate success? No, I don't think it matters at all. I just think it's part of the, it's part of having the number one athlete in the world, uh, or at least you know, for sports we really care about in our country, globally uh, iconic person in one of the biggest media markets ever. This is that recipe. Last question for you, Emily Valentine, greatest guest spot of all time. Ooh, she did go crazy. Remember, she burned the float. Oh for yeah, the parade, and she then she came back. The float. Then they had the one where like Brandon ran into her in San Francisco. Oh, they had a wonderful date to a Chris Isaac tune, "San Francisco Days," "San Francisco Nights." A great montage on the wharf. One of the greatest guest spots in the history of great television. I liked when Patrick O'Neill, the Angels uh, pre pre and post host. Uh, played a rapist frat boy or rapist football player in a uh, in a Letterman jacket. I also like the episode where Steve Saunders. That's who we forgot. We forgot Steve, Steve. Sanders. Yes. Yeah, Steve. Uh, Steve was trying to juice up to play point guard on the West Beverly High School basketball team. That was great. Oh, that's great, especially because he's five nine. Uh, By Petros- the way, West Beverly High School does not exist. Yes. There's only Beverly Hills High School, and uh, West Beverly is actually Torrance High School, which is about. 10 minutes from my house, and it's a beautiful old high school, and uh, that's where they shot She's All That, uh, Bring Buffy it on. the Vampire Slayer, and many other uh, movies and stuff. That's outstanding as always. Petros Papadakis, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Happy Pac-12 Media Day Eve. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.